Thank you for listening to the Shanghai Community Fellowship Podcast. To find out more about the SCF community, listen to sermons, and upcoming events, visit us at shanghaifellowship.org. All right, well, welcome today to Shanghai Community Fellowship Online Teaching. And uh, today, I want to just jump into a lot of times, you know, in, in, uh, here on our YouTube channel, in the teaching that we're doing, I do a lot of series. Today is not a series. It's just, just we might call it a one-off, right? And, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in church. I was, my parents were a Christian family, and we went to church together. And so, of course, as a child, I was in the children's program in the 60s, 1960s. And we used to sing a song uh, that I would eventually teach to my own children. And that song went like this. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And then there were like, uh, you know, a dozen verses to that, right? He's got the wind and the rain in his hands. He's got the wind and the rain in his hands. And then the next verse was, you know, he's got the little tiny baby in his hands. He's got the little tiny baby. And that was another verse. And then the last verse was, just in case you, just in case you didn't get the message, it was, He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. So just it's everybody. And it was, a, it was a way to remind us as children and as adults that God has us. He's got us. And we are secure in his hands. And that's a message, of course, not just for a child, um, uh, but really for all of us as we are following Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded again and again uh, because we are walking in a world, but not of that world, and a world that can be very scary, very unstable, very threatening, and very not secure, that, um, that we need to know, we need to be reminded that we are in God's hands. And that's what today's message is about, is looking at worry wisdom. We're going to look and consider the worry wisdom that we find in God's word to us. And so the title of today's message is, I think, very fitting and at least tells you where I'm going today. It's don't take your future out of God's hands. Don't take your future out of God's hands. And I don't think there's any better place to start here than with the words of Jesus. And they, these may, words may be familiar to you from Matthew chapter 6, uh, or maybe uh, it's been a long time since you've heard them or read them. Maybe today's the first time you've ever heard these words spoken to us by Jesus. And there we read, Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not, it is not life more than food, the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet, you, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Where, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, 
what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the nations of the earth, right, everybody else, the Gentiles, seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then this last proverb from Jesus, to wrap it all up, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, as I looked at this, these words of Jesus again, I realized that um, they are so familiar to me. I've read them many, many times. And, and like we can often do, or at least I can often do, when reading the familiar words of Jesus, um, I don't really engage with the full impact of these words to us. The living word of Christ to me and to us, his people, his brothers and sisters, uh, and that he's speaking to us today. It's easy to rush through them. And so we're not going to do that right now. We're not going to rush through these words. We want to just take our time with these words and hear the wisdom of Christ spoken to us in these words, especially for times that we are anxious and we are worried, we are concerned about tomorrow. You know, uh, what you see and should see right away in these words is, is a clash of worldviews. These words of Jesus, I know for me and for others, sometimes will create, in fact, often create attention for us because we hear in these words Jesus telling, well, literally, right, do not be anxious, do not worry. And yet, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself, but I am anxious and I am worried and I, I am concerned. And how do, I, how do I hear these words of wisdom from Jesus to not be anxious and not worry uh, when I'm so easily filled with worry. In fact, I don't even seem to have to work it up. I don't have to go find some worry. I don't have to like say, you know, I woke up this morning. I wasn't worried at all, but give me a few hours. I'll get some worry on. Just, just, just give me a little bit of time. I'll, I'll, I'll get it going. You know, we don't have to work up the worry. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, I, I, and I suppose we could if we really tried, but worry and anxious thoughts and concerns like these seem to just be right at the door, you know, not just knocking, but pounding, right? Coming in uninvited. Um, and here we hear these words of Jesus to not be anxious. And, and what we're getting, as I said, is I think <clears throat> can be described as a, a clash of, of two worldviews. Um, and for the followers of Jesus, Worry and, and anxious thoughts are often at the very center of this clash. Uh, let me explain a little more what I mean. We, we are worried and anxious about where the money's going to come from. We are worried and anxious about uh, how long we are going to be employed. We're worried and anxious about a drop in the value of our investments and on and on. There's a lot of things, I seem almost an endless amount of things to be worried and anxious about and our trust in God to secure us through these times of worry and, and, and through the reasons why we're worried seems to be in doubt. We're, we're struggling with our trust in God to, to do this. And, and so we've got this clash. One of the things uh, uh, that I, I like and I find helpful here uh, is that uh, in these words of Jesus is his acknowledgement that these things are important. So, so when, when Jesus is telling us, you know, not to worry and not to be anxious, he's not saying it's because the things that you're 
you're worried about or the things that you're anxious over and concerned about uh, are, are, are unimportant. He's not asking us to, 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 to say these things are just unimportant. So he acknowledges that these things, yeah, they're, they're important. And he also acknowledges why they're important to us or why they're important to me. Jesus is speaking to people for whom, and remember this, Jesus is speaking for pe- to people for whom uh, just getting by was a way of life. There really wasn't any other way for them to live. On the one hand, we hear the words of Jesus to not be anxious and not to be worried. But on the other hand, uh, we feel the challenge to put our trust in God and trust him for our security. And that's where the clash is coming in two different worldviews. Jesus is very much aware that in this world, the world that I live in and the world that you live in, it's twisted and turned around. It's the kind of place where those who end up getting more than they need, their needs seem to be met. They don't seem to be worried or anxious about anything. When they get some and they get more, they just end up taking advantage, using their wealth to the detriment of others. And and even though they have more and could give and could share, they don't. To us, many times it feels like not a world of abundance, not a world of, of fullness, uh, where all our needs could be met and can be met and will be met. But instead, most of the time, or many times, especially when we're anxious and worried, it feels like a world of scarcity uh, and struggle and a world of not enough. Now, again, Jesus knows us, he knows, and he knows where we are. He knows the world that we live in. Jesus grew up in this kind of a world where there were heavy taxes and economic uncertainty and, and controlling forces that would, that would remove the influence of the individual. People living you know, their individual lives or as families and even groups of people, and yet feeling absolutely helpless because the forces that seem to control the economic stability and the future of my future seem to be in the hands of someone else and not me. This is the kind of world that Jesus grew up in. So it's to people just like you and me that Jesus would say, all right, when you are anxious and when you are worried about tomorrow, he says, take a look at the fields and the fields that are full of flowers and take a look at the birds and see how they uh, are not uh, are, are well cared for and we've got a couple pictures to show you right now just a, a field of flowers right so take a second to just look at a field of flowers beautifully clothed right and those flowers are not one bit concerned about what they're going to wear tomorrow or uh, they're putting up a picture of uh, 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 birds just feeding uh, in a garden and not worried not at all not worried at all about tomorrow. He said, look at the birds and the flowers and realize that as God has cared for them, how much more would he care for you and I? They don't worry because God is caring for us. And they know that as we know that. Therefore, what I want you to do is not worry about the money, not worry about the rent or the contract um, or the security that you're chasing. Instead, he says, I want you to seek my kingdom. I want you to seek my kingdom first, or as some people understand it, 
I want you to keep my, seek my kingdom only. And then all these other things that you're chasing and that you're worried about and that you're anxious about, let me provide those things for you. Most of us, most people are chasing money and security. And, the, and, and, and let's just say the real things that money and securities can do for us. But God already knows that you need these things. We can rest and that he already knows that we need them. So let him make the arrangements. And you and I, however, are going to focus on his kingdom. Now, at this point is where some of us and some people feel like getting off the gospel train. Like, uh, okay, I was doing good. My needs were being met. I didn't have anything to be anxious over. I've got a good job. I've got a source of income here. I feel pretty secure. I've got a nice place to live. Uh, uh, economic downturn came. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, a salary reduction came. Lost my job. Didn't get the scholarship. And now I'm being told by Jesus to trust him and not be worried and not be anxious. Uh, this is where I get off the train because it feels almost impossible to do. It feels almost impossible to not worry, not be anxious, not be concerned. It feels, how, how could I possibly do that? Come on. Here's some steps. These are small steps. Uh, uh, let, let's take a few small steps to receive the words of wisdom, these words of worry wisdom, so that we might be able to respond to Jesus' call to not be anxious and not be worried. The first step would be this. Take the steps to enter into Jesus' world rather than trying to get Jesus to enter into your world. Let me say that again so we get the distinction. Take the steps for you to enter into his world rather than putting all of our efforts into trying to get him to come into my world. Keeping in mind that our life in Christ begins with an encounter with him, with Jesus, that changes us. It changes our nature, and it changes our minds, how we see things, and how we view things. You remember, that's kind of the start of this. We're not Christians because we signed up for a club and they gave us a membership card. We're not Christians because we're opting for a particular uh, uh, life hack to get us through life in a better way than some other way. But when we encounter the living God in the person of Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit, it set about the very the, the, the change of our very natures. That's what, the, that's what happened. And it also means the change of our minds. A, a radical shift and change in the way that we see things. It's not and 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 to be clear, uh, uh, pun intended, to be clear. It's not just the changing of glasses, it's the change of our mind. See the difference? Jesus doesn't say, well, here, try my glasses on, you, you can see things differently. No, this is a change of my mind. Try my mind on, receive a new and transformed mind. So that's the place that we're beginning. So that this bit of wisdom about worry is giving us insight into the wisdom of Jesus. And it is calling us to have the same insight and the same mind that Jesus has. So, for example, Tim Mackey, author Tim Mackey, captures, captures the mind of Christ when he says this, Jesus has a conception of the universe, of the world that we live in, 
that it is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful created place packed with an overabundance of resources and opportunities and potential, and that it is a generous gift of Creator God to us. That's where I live. That's where that's the place where I start. I, I, I begin by recognizing and having the mind and view of Jesus that the world I live in is resource, resourced and created for me and abundantly, and all that I need is here as a gift to me from the Father. Or as author Tom Wright would say, Jesus had a strong, lively sense of the goodness of his Father. Jesus had a strong and lively sense of the goodness of his Father, the creator of the world, when he told his followers to not be anxious, you can only assume that, that he was leading them by example. Jesus had a mindset anchored in biblical truth, which includes knowing that there is enough. Jesus had a mindset anchored in biblical truth, which would have included, I know that there is enough, that there is plenty, although at some level and at some times I'm going to be struggling with trusting in knowing that there is enough and there is plenty. We see the world all around us, right? We see people going crazy, going, going crazy to chase money and hold on to what they had, right? Uh, uh, and like the casino systems, the world seems to be set up uh, to make sure that in the end, they win and we lose. So we think, I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of what I have. I need to chase for more, and what's hard to admit, we struggle as we wonder if God can be trusted with all of this. We are reminded today that God is bigger than the world. He's bigger than the world. He's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than the things that we're worried about. He's bigger than the things we struggle with. And he is worthy of our trust. And he's proved that over and over and over again. Jesus is himself the generous gift from a generous God, it's Jesus who lives as if there's plenty and if there's enough and that God can be trusted. That's how Jesus lived. There's enough, there's plenty, and we can trust our Father in heaven. One of my, one of my favorite stories from the life of Jesus, and I, I guess just because of the, 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 uh, the touch of the details, um, is in the feeding of the 5,000 uh, people. Um, and, and you can read this story, I believe, in all four of the Gospels, but I'm going to reference this telling of this story from John chapter 6. And uh, they've got a five, they say 5,000 people, probably, I think it's 5,000 men. So very likely there's, there's a lot more than 5,000 people there that day. And of course, 5,000 is a large number, no matter what century you live in. And whether it's 5,000 men or 10,000 people, it's still a big number, right? And the point is, is that they are in a, in a remote place, they, I remember this is before uh, uh, Waima, or, you know, uh, this is before, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ubers and, you know, getting a DD to get over someplace to get something to eat. I mean, they are in a remote place. Um, if they're going to eat uh, at the end of this day's teaching, um, and whatever food probably they brought that day is now gone, um, uh, the disciples said, Jesus, we're going to need to let these people go because we're not really close to any place where they can buy food. So we're going to need to let them go now so that they can get to a place and, and get something to eat because we're pretty far out right now. And Jesus challenges them and says, well, you feed them. Remember that story? And he says, well, you feed them. And they already know we don't have any food. 
All right. Never wonder we don't have we well, we look and we see scarcity. We look and see we, we don't we don't see anything actually. We don't see an abundance. We don't see provision at all. And they're they're stumbling. So apparently what they've done is they're scouring, they're looking, and they find a small boy with a lunch, a lunch of five loaves and two fish. And they bring the boy to Jesus and to say, okay, you said, to, you said feed these people. We did what came naturally with us. Uh, came, first thing came to our mind. We started asking people, if you have any food? No, I don't have anything. I ate everything I brought to, uh, this morning. And we found this boy, and, and he's got five loaves and two fish. This is what we got. This is what we have. And, and I, I can imagine this, this little boy. There's so many beautiful lessons out of this story. Uh, you know, I imagine this little child just kind of offering, you know, uh, his, 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 his bread and his fish to Jesus. And say, I mean, the, the disciples saying, would you like to give your bread and fish to Jesus today? Uh, okay, you know. And he's just a child, right? He's not thinking, you know, if I give away my, my bread and my fish, what am I going to eat, right? You know, he's just a child. He's a child. He's thinking, okay. He's not worried about what he's going to eat after he gives this stuff away. And they offer it to him. And I love this because Jesus takes what is there, and he doesn't see the scarcity of five loaves and two fish. He sees the abundance of five loaves and two fish. He doesn't see what everyone else sees. He knows what he knows. He knows that there's more than enough to feed all 5,000 people today because he knows the, he knows something about his father's world, that there's more than enough. There's an abundance today. They're seeing five loaves and two fish. Jesus is seeing there's enough here for everyone to eat today. Different view, different look at the world, different way to see things. God can be trusted with five loaves and two fish. God can be trusted with my lunch. In fact, he can be trusted with my lunch tomorrow, and he can be trusted with my lunch the day after that. And every day, I can trust him uh, with my lunch and with my life and with him and his ability to provide for me out of his abundance. That's something, something I like, something uh, <clears throat> Aline Dode uh, has said, and Aline and Carell uh, were part of our fellowship for many years, and she would say, and still does, I believe, I, I think it's really appropriate here, and Aline, if you're listening, and you might be, uh, I'm quoting you today. Uh, she says, today is our word, but tomorrow is God's word. Today is going to be our word, but tomorrow is going to be God's word. So the apostle James, one of the followers of Jesus, would take these wise words about worry uh, that Jesus spoke, and he would apply them. And I think it's cool to see how James takes these words and applies them for us today. This is what he wrote in James chapter 5. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast, You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James offers two examples here of the kind of patient waiting that often 
goes along with our worry and our anxiety. They're, they're, they're connected, aren't they? We're, we have, we're worried, we are anxious, and we are concerned. And usually those emotions are rising up as we are at times feeling forced to patiently have to wait or just wait with, without patience. He is offering two examples here. The example of the farmer and the prophet. He said, you know, if you're waiting, you know, and you're getting more anxious and worried while you're waiting, think of the farmer who plants the seed and then waits for the rain. He puts the seed in the ground and then he waits for the rain. Or the prophet who speaks the word of the Lord and then waits for the purpose of God. Both the farmer and the prophet are steadfast, faithful, and they believe and know that Yahweh is compassionate and merciful. He always is. He always is. And then I love this, uh, as only the Bible seems to manage to do. Thrown into the middle of this, you know, I know you're getting anxious, I know you're getting worried, and, and because you've been waiting and you're trying to be patient, be like the farmer, be like the prophet. And by the way, while you're waiting and while you're wrestling with the worry and the anxiety, uh, there's, a, there's, an, there's an admonition or a caution here. Because complaining and grumbling while we are worried doesn't help the worry at all. It only expedites the worry. It only intensifies our worry and our anxiety. You're worried. You're concerned. Okay, I'm going to start complaining now on top of it. That doesn't help. Maybe that will help us. It doesn't help. It actually, it, it, it actually intensifies our worry and our concern. So don't complain, he says, and, 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 don't, and don't grumble. I know you're going to be tempted to do this. You know, we, we had a dog. We, we, over the years, Becky and I, we had two dogs. And our second dog, Daisy, uh, 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 when she, you know, she'd, she'd see a cat walking across the lane outside our window, and she would bark. You know? And then, of course, she wouldn't stop barking. As long as the, she could see the cat, she would just keep barking, bark, 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 bark. And they would, we, would, we would yell at her and say, <clears throat> stop barking. Daisy, stop, stop, stop barking. And and she was a she was a very smart dog so she, she she knew what we were asking her to do, and 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 so she would stop barking. This was the kind of the funny thing, and and yet with her mouth closed, you could see her lips moving, and you heard this, you know, like, you know and she was she was grumbling. That's a, that's the best word we could think of. She was grumbling. It's like okay, they told me not to bark, and I'm not going to bark, but you know, there's still a cat outside there, and I'm worried about that, and so I'm just going to grumble underneath, you know, in my lips. I'm going to grumble inside, you know. Don't grumble. Don't complain. I know you're worried. I know you're anxious, but don't fall into the trap of grumbling, complaining. It's only going to make things worse. Paul would also take the wise words of Jesus and apply them. And it's a great application. And it's going to help us today as well. Because in Philippians chapter 4, Paul would write, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. He's, he is, he is, he is uh, recalling the words of Jesus and applying them here. Watch how he applies them. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is asking, you know, asking for, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us something simple, and like many simple things, easily overlooked. But don't overlook this, because this is going to help you if you are in Christ. Are you worried? Are you anxious about tomorrow? Then pray. 
then pray. Are you worried? Are you anxious? Then pray. Pray is to have a conversation with God. Tell God and talk to him about the things that you are worried about. Remember, worry is not a sin. Anxiety, anxious thoughts are not a sin. Your father knows why you are worried. He knows that you need this or that you need that. He knows you need to eat. He knows you need a new contract. He knows you need to be employed. He knows. He knows you, you need to be secure. And your father knows this, and he's asking and inviting you to come and to talk to him about it. So don't be afraid that you're going to tell God something he doesn't already know. You and I need to let God know what is worrying us. And the most effective prayer or the effectiveness of prayer is to go to God first and certainly to go to God not just first, but don't go to someone else and not go to God. You're worried. You are anxious. What have you done? Who have you told? I told my mother. I told my best friend at work. I told my cat. You know, I told my, you know, I, I, you know, I, I told everybody. But have you told God that you're worried? Have you told your heavenly father that you're worried? Oh, no, I, I, I haven't done that. There's no substitute for telling your heavenly father that you're worried, that you're anxious, that you're concerned. Go there and go there first and go there. Have that conversation often. Often, let God know what is troubling you um, as though he needs to be informed for your sake. Maybe not so much for his sake, but for your sake. In other words, okay, maybe God does know. He's got all the details. He must know. But in my conversation, I tell God everything. I just pour my heart out and say, God, I'm worried about this. And here's why I'm worried. And God, I'm, I'm feeling like if this doesn't happen or if it doesn't change or if this need is not met, this could possibly happen. And this is why I'm worried. And this is why I'm concerned. Talk to God and let him know what is troubling you uh, like he needs, like he needs to be informed. Open your heart, open your feelings, and open your thinking to the mind of Christ. Right? That's what you're doing in prayer. In prayer, we are opening up our mind to the mind of Christ. So pray. Anxious, worried, pray. And pray, number two, pray with gratitude and pray with thanksgiving and a thankfulness. This is what I do, uh, especially if I want to talk to God about something I'm concerned about and something I'm worried about. I, I make sure, I try to remember that, that the, before I start talking to God about what's worrying me, I, I, I tell him about the things that I'm thankful for. I remind him and I remind myself, wow, there's a lot that I'm thankful for. You know, I'm worried right now, but I haven't always been worried. I don't live in worry and anxiety every day. I haven't lived in worry and anxiety every day of my life. There were days where I was worried and I was anxious, and I saw God do some awesome things, and he took care of me. You know what, I want to take just a few moments to remind myself of those days of his provision, of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of his kindness, of the way he has sustained me. And I take, I take some time to, to have a thankful heart, to get in touch with a thankful heart that's already there. I have a thankful heart, and I am grateful. I just forgot. 
So I want to get, I want to reconnect with my gratitude and my thankfulness. And then I talk to God about the things that I'm worried about. And then I talk to him about the things that I'm anxious about. And before I close my prayer and say, go, thank you, God, for listening. Before I go, I want to tell you again how grateful I am. I want to tell you again how thankful, how thankful I am. It's this kind of thanksgiving that, that opens up a space for God to be at work in our lives. This kind of gratitude and thankfulness is is a way that we open up a space for God to be at work in our lives in this new situation and under these new circumstances. Father, things have changed. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but things have changed but I'm grateful for your faithfulness and I'm grateful that you care and that you are here with me. I am, I, I, what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm, I'm casting off, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing off these cares onto you so that you can care with me, that you can care for me. And then thirdly, Paul says, uh, worried, anxious, pray, and let, and let the peace of Christ come to you. You know, I I love this because this kind of experience with the peace of Christ happens in two ways, right? The first way is it comes to us like a gift. Jesus said said it this way, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace is like a gift. And it comes to us. You know, it's like a father who's going to travel for business and his small child is afraid and insecure and, and, and daddy's going away and she doesn't understand what's going on. He's, all he knows is he's leaving. And, and, and mommy's been talking about it and the suitcase is getting packed and, and, and he gives her a small animal, stuffed animal, a toy, something like that, like a stuffed animal. Say, you hold on to this and every time you hold on to this, and every time you hold this, it helps you to remember that daddy loves you and that he's coming back. And it brings her peace. It's like he's giving her peace, right? And this is what Christ will do for us. He gives us peace. He says, hold on to this. That's Hold on to my peace. I give it to you. But here's another way that peace we experience the peace of Christ. This is a peace and a calm that characterizes the very nature and presence of God himself. God is is the most peaceful, calming presence you have ever known, you and I have ever experienced. It's hard to even imagine. We We don't even really know anybody like this, and we know some pretty calm and peaceful people. God is like on another level altogether. And when he approaches us in our trouble, and when he approaches, he steps into our room. He steps into, he steps near to us. He, he moves closer to us. And when he moves closer to us, as he moves toward us, he, his peaceful presence is all around him. It just, it just, he brings it with him. He just brings his calm and his presence with himself as he moves toward us. And we are now in the presence of the Prince of Peace. And we ourselves are peaceful because we are in the presence of the king and the prince of peace. And he shares this, this calming presence 
that he has brought with those of us who are hearts, have hearts filled with gratitude and are trusting in him, those of us in Christ. And as we wrap things up today, I want to just say this very important part before we pray together, before I pray for you, that all these things that Jesus is talking about, the wisdom that he brings uh, in these words from Matthew chapter 6, or the application from James uh, to be patient in our waiting, uh, like the farmer or the prophet, or the application from Paul as we pray with a thankful heart and experience the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding. All of these are promises and experiences for those of us who are in Christ. In other words, if you're not in Christ, it's not likely you're going to experience the peace of Christ. We must be in Christ to know and experience the wisdom of Christ, which includes his peace. So I ask you today, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you taken yourself and put yourself squarely into his presence and into his kingdom? Have you walked into the kingdom of Christ through confession of sin and through the forgiveness of sin and through your trust, not only in, in the things that are worrying you, but trusting him with your very life? Because it begins there. Overcoming our worries and our anxieties begins by coming into Christ to rest in him. Now I want to pray. I want to pray for all of us. I know we are living in a time right now, and the time that I'm giving this talk live, uh, these are challenging economic times. Uh, many people are, are living like it, they did in the days of Jesus. You know, heavy taxes, strong economic burdens, uncertainties about tomorrow, uh, the temptation to just go chasing after security and chasing after money uh, and with fear and anxiety, trusting God with tomorrow's lunch, seeing, seeing things the way Jesus saw them, an abundant world where God has more than enough to provide for us. We are challenged in these things, and we need a peace that goes beyond our understanding so that we might rest in him. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for those who are listening today. Many of us are struggling right now. We're very worried. We are concerned. Maybe for those of us with, with well, it doesn't matter how much life experience we have Right now, this seems to be about as bad as it's ever been. Maybe we're even challenged to think that, oh yeah, God met me when I had this need, and I remember once worrying about this, but, but in those days, it seemed so small. The thing I was anxious about seemed like such a small thing. You know, God, this is a huge thing. This is much bigger than, than those days. But as David said, the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear can deliver me from this giant today. I know, I know. And I pray for all of us that as you move closer to us, you will bring your peaceful presence so that we can be at rest. It may not always be easy to trust you, but you are worthy of our trust. And by faith, 
we will give you our worries. We will give you our anxious thoughts and throw them onto you so that you can carry them and that we can walk with you and seek your kingdom. Help us, Father, we pray. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.